Blog Talk Radio. The following broadcast is brought to you by the iGolf Sports Network. Golf Talk Live is sponsored by the iGolf Sports Network and Golf Tips Magazine. Here's Andrew to tell you more about our sponsors. iGolf Sports is a live stream broadcast and media production company providing quality programming designed to attract the golfing enthusiast. And Golf Tips, the game's most in-depth instruction magazine, including reviews on the latest equipment, tips from top teaching professionals, all designed to help you improve from tee to green. Welcome to Golf Talk Live with your host, Ted Odorico. Join Ted each week as he speaks with some of the best in golf. This week's special guest will join us a bit later. But first up is another great discussion on Coach's Corner. So let's introduce tonight's Coach's Corner panel. All right, good evening, everybody, and once again, welcome to Golf Talk Live. I'm your host, Ted Odorico, and as always, we've got a great show for you this evening. Uh, it's hard to believe, but uh, we're fast approaching the middle of October. Um, I don't know where the summer went, but it flew by, and now we're into uh, a, a good, healthy fall, if you will, and temperatures are still pretty warm from what the guys uh, were just telling me off air, so we'll uh, hopefully enjoy uh, some good weather in the next few weeks, and uh, Eventually, we'll start to cool down and, and get into some real fall weather and, and uh, eventually into even cooler temperatures, and uh, we'll be looking forward to the first snowfall up in the northeast and other parts. But uh, thanks for joining me, everybody, and I appreciate it. We're live, as always, on Thursday evenings uh, here on the blogtalkradio.com network. And uh, as always, we're going to start off with Coach's Corner. I'll introduce the panel here in just a moment. And then a little bit later on, I'm going to be joined by my very special guest, uh, Kelly uh, Paragoy. Uh, he is the president of Kelkin Enterprises, uh, and he has produced a number of different products that uh, he thinks will uh, help uh, many golfers out there. We're going to talk about some of the products that he's developed, and, and actually uh, I've tried some of them, and uh, we're going to uh, have a good discussion about that on the second half. But let me introduce uh, tonight's Coach's Corner panel, and then we'll bring the guys out here and have a great discussion. Uh, first up, of course, is John Hughes. Uh, he's a PJ Master Professional, uh, Honorary President of the North Florida PJ Section, and he was the recipient of the 2013 PJ of America's Horton Smith Award. Uh, he's a senior editor and Golf Tips Magazine Top 25 instructor, as well as part of the Golf Tips advisory staff. Uh, also rounding out is uh, on the panel is John Decker. He is the director of instruction at the Medallion Club in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, he's also a senior editor and Top 25 instructor at Golf Tips uh, Magazine, as well as uh, part of the advisory staff. Uh, prior to that, he was a head instructor at the Grand Cypress Academy of Golf in Orlando and was the 2015 Southern Ohio Teacher of the Year. Uh, also, also authored the book, uh, Golf is My Life, Glorifying God Through the Game, which of course includes a Bible study. And he's also available for public speaking, so you can always reach out to him and he'll tell you how you can do that at the end of the show. So without further ado, let me uh, invite the two Johns, if you will, uh, onto Coach's Corner. Hi guys, how are you doing? Hi Dad, how are you? Doing great. I'm doing well. So uh, as we discussed, I think what we're going to do to simplify the process for tonight, uh, John Hughes, I'm going to just refer to you, of course, as John, and John Decker, I'm going to refer to you uh, as JD, uh, just to keep things straight so people don't get confused, uh, especially for those uh, joining us for the first time and aren't familiar with your voices yet. Uh, but we've got a great discussion tonight. We're going to talk about, um, well, we've talked about a little bit generically 
uh, about some of the technology out there, and, and I referenced a, a couple of them. Uh, TrackMan as, as being one, obviously very, very popular, and of course FlightScope uh, is another uh, popular uh, piece of technology that many people use, uh, in not only from a coaching standpoint, but players as well are very well integrated, uh, especially some of the tour players, uh, with both of these products, and uh, use it for a lot of information. But there's a lot of confusion, guys, that I think that many people have uh, with what information uh, can be received or or retrieved using some of this data. So uh, as I mentioned, you've seen many tour players using things like TrackMan and, and other products on the driving range. You might have even used some of them yourself through your coach. Um, and uh, many times your coach may not have shared the numbers with you, uh, which in a lot of ways makes sense since they can be somewhat confusing. So I thought we would talk about uh, a few of the, uh, in fact, there's six um, numbers that many amateur golfers, I think, should know uh, it's in order to help them. Um, and I'm going to start with, with John, of course, John Hughes, um, with a couple of points first, and that is um, face angle. Uh, a lot of people really, believe it or not, don't understand what is face angle. So maybe you could uh, talk about that a little bit, and maybe you could reference in uh, with either one of the technology um, a little bit about how it's measured. Sure. Thanks again, Ted, for the honor of being on the program. John, looking forward, as always, to a great conversation with you. Uh, to be transparent right up front for all the listeners, I am a FlightScope ambassador, have been so for the past 10 years. A uh, little history to FlightScope, a lot of people don't know. It was the first on the scene. Uh, it's It's been around since 1998, and a lot of people uh, don't recognize that or even know the history to it. Uh, Ted made a comment as far as coaches sharing numbers uh, I'm going to jump on the bandwagon there and say for most amateur golfers, it's numbers aren't as important as understanding how your coach is taking your numbers to provide you a direction of improvement. And there may be one, maybe two numbers that really stand out that you can see in particular, and one of them is face angle uh, and how that's relative to improving your ball striking, improving the way the ball flies. As a general rule, you've got face to target, which is pretty easy. And, and the easy way I have my clients understand that is to have an exact target to each time and understand how the ball takes off directionally to that target. Uh, I'm going to talk right-handers, left-handers. This is opposite for you. Ball takes off to the right of the target. That face is open to the target. Takes off left. It is closed to the target or pointing left. But then you also have face angle to club path, and that's a little bit different angle, and it creates a completely different set of conditions for the ball, which you see as, I'm going to use this term even though there's no such thing, side spin, how that ball spins mm -hmm. sideways. So if you've got a face angle that's a little open to your path as the right-hander, that may introduce the fade, the slice, uh, the not the shank. That's totally different. And if you're seeing curvature to the left, that means your face is closed to the club path, meaning it's probably going to curve a little draw, maybe a little bit of hook. 
combine those two face to target and face to pass, and that helps your instructor understand what kind of swing you're making and what kind of impact you're making to the golf ball. And hopefully your instructor is providing you some basic information concerning that with face being the number one thing that all golfers have got to learn to control. Right. Well said. And and just to, to clarify, you know, again, many golfers have heard as an example uh, that the face can be open, which you refer to. Obviously, the ball uh, is, is going to end up uh, going right closed. It's uh, going to end up going left and square is meaning uh, square to your intended target line. So, you know, we've, we've heard a lot of that. And basically what these numbers provide through the various uh, products, whether it be TrackMan or uh, FlightScope, is they will give you a percentage or a number in degree. So as an example, uh, if it's closed, if your club face is closed, it will point to the left, of course, as John mentioned. And, uh, you know, TrackMan or FlightScope, if you will, uh, will show a negative number. Example, uh, minus two degrees, which means minus means left. And conversely, of course, open, uh, your face will show a positive number, uh, three degrees positive, as an example. And a square club face will, of course, show zero degrees, meaning pointing straight down your target line. So this is important for people to know because, you know, we always hear about slicing. We always hear about, you know, hooking the ball and things like that or a draw or fade, whatever the term you want to throw in there. But people don't really understand how it relates to the face angle. So it's important. And that's one of the numbers um, that these products can provide. And you already alluded to the second one, which, J.D., I'm going to give to you. Maybe you can uh, explain a little bit more is and that is what is club path. Uh, we understand what the club face is doing, but what does it mean by club path? Maybe you can give us an example of uh, typically uh, uh, club paths that people might refer to or have heard in, in, uh, in maybe a lesson or something from you or, or from somebody you know. Uh, John, can you hear me? Yes, I'm sorry. I had, I'm sorry. I had it on mute. I apologize <laughs> for that. No, uh, no problem. First of all, Ted, thank you very much for having me on the show. And uh, John, as always, I look forward to being on, on with you as well. A um, couple of things, uh, just to, for the listeners out there, I have, uh, when I was at Grand Cypress, we used FlightScope. I was there for years. And, um, and then uh, when I came to Ohio, um, we, we used the Foresight. So I've had experience with, with both. I've not had experience with uh, TrackMan. I've, I've seen it, obviously, uh, but not have not used mm-hmm. that in my professional career. Um, uh, but, um, you know, all the technology that they have out there that's out there now is, is great for, for taking lessons and for fitting as well. Um, but uh, as far as the path goes, the outside-to-inside path uh, or the inside-to-outside path uh, is, is something that's going to di- directly affect uh, you know, your, your ball flight. And so one of the first things that I'm always working on as a teacher is making sure that we get the face angle correct first, uh, because you could have mm-hmm. a, if you have an open club face, like you were, you were mentioning, and you have a, a perfect swing path, that's not going to produce a very good shot. Um, and, and most people who have open club faces don't have a perfect swing path. They open the club face, uh, for example, maybe on their takeaway, they're going to have that inside to out uh, swing that we that is commonly referred to as over the top. We hear that all the time. I think uh, most of the listeners out there have heard that that terminology. So the, to mm-hmm. be able to put numbers to that, where you can say 
okay, you're, you know, two degrees in and you're four degrees out or something along those lines, it's very beneficial uh, when you're teaching uh, because it just validates what the ball is always telling, is already telling the teacher, but it validates to the student that, okay, now I have something to measure this by and so that I can now, uh, you know, by making these changes in my grip or making these changes in my setup or whatever it is that you need to work on, uh, that you can start seeing that, that the improvement. So that's an example. That's probably the most common example that you'll see as a teacher. Now you also will see the inside out or someone who hits a lot of blocks or mm-hmm. usually for the better players, uh, that inside to the uh, outside pass will produce typically a block, uh, which is a shot that's going directly right of your target or a, a dramatic hook. Uh, and again, that face angle like, like uh, John was mentioning, the face angle to your to your path is going to be directly, uh, you know, a number that you would be looking at in that situation. So, um, it, you know, t- the the thing about technology that I love is is that you can, you know, put a number, uh, you can actually uh, show the student, you know, their ball flight, and then you can show them with the numbers, and I think that makes it for a, you know, a much better lesson. Yeah. Uh, again, well said, uh, JD. Um, you know, and I think also, too, uh, just to sort of reiterate, I think having access to these numbers uh, can be very, very beneficial. But like we've discussed on the program so many times, you have to, it's a balancing act. As a coach, uh, again, it's very valuable to have that information at your fingertips, uh, but it can also be detrimental, too, if you get too caught up in the numbers with your student. It can be very, very confusing, and it gets to the point where they're not really focusing on making good moves or or uh, focusing on trying to make good contact with the ball, they're thinking, well, am I so many degrees in, or I'm so many degrees out, or is the club face? They start focusing on these numbers too much. So, uh, again, you have to find a balancing act. Some some players may be uh, a little bit more aggressive with the numbers and maybe want more data and information, um, but that's something really the coach, through conversations, through assessments, uh, can, can sort of decipher uh, what their student can handle and what they can't handle. Um, and I think that's a conversation that, that you both have to have at some point. Um, John, I'm going to come back to you. And this is really, and I, I'm just going to explain a little bit again, just uh, so that the folks understand. Uh, this question is really, what is impact location? And why is it uh, as well important for the shot shape? And basically what we're referring to here is, um, again, we're talking about the, obviously the club face, uh, and we assume that we're making, as an example, maybe good contact in the center of the uh, club face, uh, which is referred to as the sweet spot. Um, and obviously, if your club path is, is uh, true, then you're, it's going to be uh, a straight shot. But your uh, impact location on the club faces as well can also affect that. So maybe you can elaborate a little bit of what we're referring to here, John, uh, and what some of the results can be if you're not hitting it in that sweet spot every time. Sure, and what I'm going to preface some of these examples by stating that there are other numbers that lead up to the ultimate end, and that ultimate end is whether you do strike the sweet spot or not. Um, the most common example that John and I have already spoke about is an outside-in swing path for the right-hander coming uh, from outside the body, across the body to the left with an open face you could hit the ball dead in the middle of the sweet spot and potentially compress the golf ball, but most likely you're glancing across, and that glance could happen Mm -hmm. anywhere on the golf club. 
Uh, typically, mm-hmm. it's happening towards the toe. And typically, the, the face of the golf club is tilting towards the ground. The toe is tilting towards the ground. That's lie angle. And that's another reason why it'll go to the toe. Uh, that when it goes to the toe, it goes off sweet spot in general, I should say. Not only you you losing compression, you're losing efficiency is what I tell my clients. Efficiency is a lot of different numbers that add up to how far and how straight. Uh, another couple of examples that are very basic in club fitting is spin. Typically a higher spinning shot off a driver is coming off the top. Uh, lower spinning is coming off the bottom, but there are other conditions that could reverse that. Uh, If you talk about driver, how much is the uh, angle of attack in a positive way, hitting up on it? Could you be hitting up and hitting the bottom, but yet hitting very low on the ball to create more spin? So at the end of the day, there is a number called smash factor, which is a relative measurement of how efficient your centered contact is. And it's basically ball speed divided by club speed. I'm not sure if you're getting into these numbers or not, but it's worth mm. talking about, Ted. And it's, it's a ratio, and every club has an optimal, not a perfect, an optimal smash factor that's basically saying, hey, you know what, based on the speed the club travels, Based on its loft, if you're hitting it sweet, if you're hitting it in the middle, you're creating maximum compression with that golf club and creating maximum ball speed in return. Here is this measurement of which you're hitting the sweet spot of the golf club. That's typically what you'll what most amateurs see, but they don't necessarily understand it as a correlation to hitting the sweet spot. They're, they're more concerned about big numbers. They're not necessarily mm-hmm. collating a 1.5 smash mm-hmm. factor to hitting it dead in the middle. When they can feel it dead in the middle and then they see the number, the aha moments happen from a coaching standpoint of view. It makes it a little bit easier. Right. Again, well said. And, and, uh, J.D., the other thing I want to add in here as well that I think is, is important for, for golfers to understand, again, you know, when you're using this te- technology, there's so much information. Uh, John mentioned a couple of other things, smash factor as an example, um, ball speed and things. We're going to talk about a, a few of those here in a moment. Um, but another one is the angle of attack. And this is a number that is generated as well, uh, and it shows essentially if you're hitting down or up on the ball – um, this is important to know as well, to have that feedback from your coach. Maybe you can expand and, and, and uh, give us a, a little bit better understanding of why that is important uh, for a coach to understand uh, the angle of attack their player uh, is to the ball. Yeah, the angle of attack, I, I use this term literally in every lesson that I teach. And, um, you know, to put it real simply, think about hitting a driver. What do, we, what do you want to do? You want to tee it high and launch it that's what if you look at the long drive guys they don't tee it low they tee the ball high and so you're with your driver you're hitting up on the ball you want to be hitting with a positive number you're hitting up on the ball and and launching that ball because you've got a driver that may have 10 11 12 degrees of loft maybe nine if you're a lower handicap player the long drive guys are using two three four 
four-degree drivers, and so they want to tee it high and, and hit up on the ball. But um, as far as your irons go, you want your angle of approach to be more of a descending blow. So your middle irons are going to be, uh, you know, shallower but more of a descending blow. Your shorter irons are going to be even even coming in um, um, with with a, a steeper angle of approach. Um, and, and then when you start getting into rough, the rough, you want to have a very steep angle of approach. Like in the short game, uh, you know, angle of approach is – just as important in the short game as it is with the driver. So learning how to create a descending blow uh, with your short irons and an ascending blow with your driver, it, it all goes to your setup. It all goes to, um, you know, your swing tendencies, your swing path. All of these things are filtered in uh, and are important when you're looking at an overall student. To be able to put a number to it, it's very important. And then, then, obviously, the steeper you come in, the more spin you're going to put on the ball. So, yes, you want to put spin on a, a sand wedge, but you don't want to put spin on a driver. Uh, and, you know, you want to get that ball up and, and launch it out there so you can get a lot of, of uh, roll when the ball hits the ground. So th- all of these things, uh, again, using technology, um, and, and I actually uh, went to a, a seminar with, uh, that was up here in, in, in uh, Ohio, uh, with the late Bill Abrams, and he uh, he actually used that, uh, the launch monitor, he used the Foresight launch monitor in the short game. I had never really done that as a teacher, and I thought that that was fascinating, even looking at the angle of approach. It's just as important, if not more, in the short game as it is with the driver. So, you know, when you go to your, when you go to your uh, local uh, PGA golf professional and you take a lesson, these are the kind of uh, questions I think that a lot of students should ask is, you know, if, you know, I hear people all the time say, you know, my driver, I hit my drive, I get no roll on my drive, and I watch them hit, and their ball goes straight up in the air, and sure enough, it hits, hits it makes a divot out in the fair, out in the, or a ball mark out in the, in the fairway, and, and, and it sometimes will back up. Well, obviously, they're hitting down on the driver too much. Their tee goes flying. They don't get any roll. So angle of approach is something I use on a daily basis when I teach, and I think it's one of the most important aspects in understanding your path, understanding your setup, understanding what the club is designed to do and how to do it, how to use it, and it's something that um, every student should be aware of and how their angle of approach should be for the clubs that they have and the swing that they have. Well said. Uh, thank you for that, J.D. Um, John, um, J.D. just pointed out uh, and sort of uh, alluded to some of the answers here on this next one, but there may be some other things that you want to touch on. But um, the, the next question I have for you is, is what is the low point? So in other words, um, the equipment is able to provide you uh, answers to um, whether or not, and, and again, you know, you could use whatever example, whether it be driver or maybe a seven iron as an example, um, where you're making contact with the ball, whether it's before or after you hit the ground. So as an example, if you're hitting a seven iron, your low point, uh, you might have, uh, might represent the, the number that you're getting back uh, in the case of TrackMan. Uh, you might have a B after the number. It means you're hitting the ground before you're reaching the ball. So understanding where your low point in the swing is now naturally your body swings in a certain way but sometimes that low point depending on how we set up uh, may differ uh, depending if we're not if we're leaning too much one way uh, we can actually move that correct and and maybe touch on a little bit why that's important and why it's good for not only the coach 
but for the player to know where the low point of their swing is? Uh, great question and, and great number, not necessarily a number so much as a position here. The the bottom line, really, to understand this, to oversimplify it, is think of a circle, think of a hula hoop, and where that hula hoop may touch the ground. Your golf swing is a circle, and where that hula hoop or circle touches the ground is the low point. Difference between this from a two-dimension to a three-dimensional standpoint of view is that hula hoop or circle is at an angle to the ground. And then based on whether the ball's on a tee, based on whether you have a wedge or a driver in your hand, it's not necessarily that low point changes so much as, as you alluded to, Ted, your setup positions change to allow that low point to actually meet the ball or just past the ball or just before the ball based on the type of shots you're going to hit. Again, to oversimplify it, when you look at wedges, how short they are, how much forward shaft lean they have, it's not uncommon for a professional to strike the ball just prior to low point or a negative with flight scope. Uh, when you're talking about a positive low point, you're actually hitting in front of it, which goes mm-hmm. back to John's explanation of angle of attack. Uh, it, low point is relative to the beginner from this simple standpoint of view. If you cannot figure out your low point, if you have an inconsistent low point, then that is a big reason for your inconsistency. As you watch golfers develop, prove, mature, understand that low point, all of a sudden not only does ball striking get better, but the adjustments to ball striking get better based on the type of lie someone has. So I'll give I'll use John's example. You're in the in a slight bit of rough around the green, and you're trying to get the ball out of the rough and onto the green. Does that require that the ball position be a little bit further back, and you're trying to hit the ball before the low point? Is it high and fluffy and rough? You might want to pop it up in the air. Are you moving that ball forward? And the quintessential example is getting in the bunker and understanding that low point is where the club actually enters the bunker and that the ball is slightly in front of that low point. And that's where a lot of beginners go wrong in the bunker is not having that consistent low point. So what this this technology is able to do is actually plot it three-dimensionally. And when I'm able to show that to a client from a three-dimensional standpoint of view and talk about low point, now we can make it, if they're consistent with their low point, those numbers are basically the same for the club they have in their hand. We can now make setup adjustments, whether it's weight distribution, it's setup, ball position, it's setup. Maybe they're too far away from the ball, too close to the ball. Maybe there's, uh, we need to go to a different golf club for the situation that they're in. There's a lot of different ways to adjust for that low point, but bottom line is as you, improve as a golfer the ultimate end of your coach is not only to have you understand how to control the face but how to control the low point of that face within your swing again well said john you know i think for a lot of golfers out there again you know i want to emphasize 
it's not important to get wrapped up in the numbers. But having said that, there is some of the numbers, we've touched on a few things that could be very invaluable, uh, primarily for your coach, of course, number one. Um, but again, you're going to be able to have a conversation. He, is, he or she is going to be able to decipher those numbers and give you uh, uh, some uh, constructive feedback as to why certain things are happening. Obviously, you're seeing the ball you know, going a multitude of different directions, um, but he or she is going to be able to, with this technology, explain why some of the things are happening the way they are through the numbers and through some of the uh, feedback that the uh, TrackMan or FlightScope are giving you. Um, JD, here's one that, that a lot of people we, again, for people that have golfed and Forgive me for, for if this seems like we're, we're simplifying things a little bit um, for some of you, but there's a lot of people out there that don't understand some of the things that we've talked about. And this one, believe it or not, is one that a lot of people, uh, which surprises me, they've heard the word, they've heard the terminology before, but may not understand. And, and that is, what is carry? You know, we often hear, well, I've hit a 225-yard drive, uh, but it didn't actually carry that far. It carried less, and, and, you know, as John said, maybe it plugged in some cases or maybe it rolled on a little further to that 225. Talk about what it means by carry, and is that uh, something that is good for a golfer to know, how far they're carrying the ball? How does it Absolutely. play out? In, in Absolutely, a, yeah. Go, That's the, go ahead. Absolutely, Ted. Carry uh, Carrie, can you hear me, Ted? Yep, go ahead. Okay, I'm sorry. I thought I thought I was uh, on mute again, but I wasn't. Um, carry distance is my favorite part of uh, the technology. Uh, I think it's one of the most important things um, and the greatest benefit. And I, I've actually watched tour events where they have the play, the, they'll have the the TrackMan information up on the on the screen, and the tour player will hit a ball and they'll look over the screen and they'll give them the numbers. I saw Jordan Spieth doing that one day and. And all he really cared about was his carry distance, and, and especially with the wedges, uh, it's so important when you get to the scoring clubs, knowing how far your ball goes. I think one of the things that the listeners out there need to understand is total distance is not carry distance. I see so many of my uh, students go out on the golf course, and they'll hit a ball that flies 100 yards in the air, and it rolls 30 yards uh, across the green, and they'll, te- they'll tell me that they hit a 130-yard shot. Well, uh, right. I always ask, would, would you be able to hit that 130-yard shot over water? And they say no. And I say, well, then that's not your carry distance. It, your carry distance right. is what it is. It's how far the ball goes in the air. It does not count the roll. Uh, you know, if I hit a driver in the air, I want my ball to hit, and I want my ball to roll forward. If I hit a pitching wedge or a, or a sand wedge, I want my ball to hit the green, take one bounce, and stop. I'm not trying to back it up 25 feet or anything like that. I want it to hit, take one stop, one bounce, and stop. That gives me the most control over my wedges uh, that, that you can have um, on the golf course. And so carry distance is so important, and it goes back to that uh, what John alluded to, the smash factor, being able to hit a solid shot consistently and being able to have a repeatable carry distance. Now, for those of you out there who, who play on the golf course um, and don't have access to this technology, it's real simple to figure out your carry distance. When you hit a shot, 
look where your divot is and and if you can mark it off you know if you can if you can hit a wedge shot or something and no one's behind you and you're in a cart maybe have your partner drive the cart and actually pace off the distance to your ball mark not to where your ball is but to your ball mark and that is that will give you an idea of your carry distance if you don't have access to the technology the other thing that I think mm-hmm. the huge advantage of the technology now are the indoor simulators because you can use real mm-hmm. golf balls. If you're trying to figure your carry distance with a range ball that's two years old, you are doing yourself a disservice. You need to be figuring right. your carry distance with an actual golf ball that you actually play with. And so it's important that when you're in indoor simulators, you can figure out your carry distance. If you go to a like up here in the up here in the north, we have, there's a lot of indoor facilities you can go to. If you have, if you can, uh, when you go in there, use your own golf ball, and that will give you an idea when you're hitting these shots of what your actual carry distance. It will tell you, you know, on the screen. So that to me is the number one advantage I feel like for from a um, for a student that's real easy. If you understand what carry distance is. You know now what your carry distance. Start writing these things down. Don't look at your total distance. Look at your carry distance, um, and with your irons especially. And I think that you're going to find that you get a lot better results on the golf course. Yeah, and and you really alluded to something I think worth mentioning again in, in the beginning of of your uh, response, and that is the carry distance as an example. If you're approaching a green and there's water surrounding that green or part of that green and you've got to go over that or even a bunker if you know that to the center of that bunker uh or even to carry the back edge of the bunker is a hundred yards and you're only hitting a hundred yards um with whatever club you selected then you're not going to make it to your target so if you're trying to get on the green and let's say the pins cut in the back of the green and there might be an extra uh 10 or 15 yards or or 30 feet beyond that that lip of the bunker and the club you selected is only going to carry it 100 yards, that means you're more than likely, if you're lucky to make it over that bunker that's at 100 yards, you might be lucky to get a little bit of roll, but if not, you might hit that lip and, and fall back into the bunker. So, again, knowing your carry uh, distance and your yardages of how far you carry, uh, because the roll is always going to change. That's one thing that's that's never going to be consistent because, again, depending on the surface and the, and the lie and, and uh, uh, the conditions of the course, that may vary, but you're exactly right in your analogy because if you've got water or something to carry and you're picking a club that's only going to hit 100 yards carry and that's going to put you in trouble, um, knowing that is going to help you make the right club selection, and that's going to be something that uh, is going to help you along the way. Um, Great discussion so far, guys, and and I know it's very difficult for a lot of people that um, when you're listening to this, but you guys have done a great job in explaining uh, some of the, the points that we've been talking about uh, without the uh, ability of, of adding some visual cues. So uh, kudos to both of you for doing that. John, I'm going to come back to you. And one of the things that um, I want to continue on with is uh, some other points as well. Uh, you alluded to some ball speed and also club head speed, uh, creating that smash factor. So uh, again, you know, talk a little bit about uh, maybe the club head speed ball speed and how that puts together and what that really equates to when it comes to the smash factor. What are we really talking about here? Because again, this is something we hear a lot of these terminologies uh, thrown out there in the industry, but for the average Joe out there, it doesn't always necessarily mean uh, a whole lot 
until you know what it, what it actually stands for. So maybe you can explain that a little bit more uh, about the ball speed, club head speed, and how it applies uh, to the smash factor. Great question. I'm going to oversimplify it and let it sort of germinate from there. Uh, club speed, very simply put, is how fast that golf club is moving when it makes contact with the golf ball. Realize that when it makes contact, with club head speed starts to reduce. It's being introduced to an object that's going to slow it down. So most technology is trying to measure that a moment before impact, a thousand, a thousandth of an inch prior to impact. Uh, the faster the speed, the more potential for distance from a very elementary understanding. Ball speed is just that, how fast the ball is moving within that first two to six inches off the club face. And the faster the ball speed, again, there's more potential for distance. So one of the things I provide my clientele, it does not matter what skill level they are, is that as a human being, we're going to max out at our club speed based upon our fitness level, based upon any physical limitations or impairments we may have, based on how long your limbs are. I have shorter than normal arms. So I'm not going to generate the same amount of club speed that a normal length arm person at my height would or could potentially do. All this adds up in the club speed. And just like sitting on a bench and maxing out your bench press at X amount of pounds, we're all going to max out our swing speed. The real key here is understanding how to increase ball speed. And again, to make a very basic definition happen for you, the more centered contact, the faster the potential of ball speed. So what are the, what are the things that really come into play? The center of contact is huge. Uh, the angle of attack is huge when it comes to increased ball speed. Club path and face angle are huge when it comes to ball speed. All these have a direct correlation, a direct influence as to how much speed you can generate. When people think, okay, the spin's taking distance off, not necessarily the spin is creating a directional difference and how that ball is flying. It does not necessarily mean ball speed's been compromised. There is some compromise to it, but not as much as people think. So when you're talking about, I'll go back to what I said with, with Smash Factor, there are tables out there uh, that you can readily find online to find out the optimal Smash Factor for certain clubs. Uh, what mm -hmm. we're finding for a long time was driver 1.50 was considered optimal. So in essence, have 150 mile an hour ball speed divided by 100 mile an hour club speed, that's 1.5 that's considered optimal. Well, with better fit equipment, with better fitness, better actual physical abilities to swing, not necessarily faster, but to put club on the ball centered, you can actually increase that to 151, 152, 153, 160 maybe. And we're seeing that out of Bryson DeChambeau where he's breaking, breaking the barriers of optimal smash factor. Uh, the long drive guys do as well if, if you watched any of that a couple of weeks ago. So 
what you have to understand is one doesn't necessarily carry the other. They are independent numbers, but together create a measurable optimal me- a, an optimal measurement of what you are doing now, and in turn, your coach and or you, if you're very versed with this, can pick out one of the other numbers that are creating the most negative influence on how far your ball is traveling and make those corrections. Well said. Um, J.D., another uh, term that we we often hear, uh, especially um, with uh, players and that is wanting to understand the spin rate. Maybe you could uh, expand a little bit on what we're talking about here. Obviously, we're we're referring to the golf ball, uh, but why that is important as well, um, particularly if we're playing in windy conditions, um, some things that we may want to do or take note of um, based on the spin rate that we're hitting uh, by the numbers. Yes, spin rate is um, one of the most important things that uh, a fitter or a teacher will look at. Um, and, you know, and it's measured in RPMs, which is rotations per minute. So I always tell my student, if your ball was in the air for a minute and your spin rate is 3,000, that, that means it would revolve 3,000 times in that minute. Uh, and the high, there's an optimal number for, for every club. Uh, obviously, the more loft you go with, so if I'm using a lob wedge or a 60-degree sand wedge, I'm going to produce a tremendous amount of spin compared to a driver. So um, that is one thing you have to, depending on the club. But let's talk for, because most of the listeners out there want more distance with their driver, let's talk more about the driver. When we look at a spin rate for a driver, we look at their club head speed, like John was saying, your smash factor, and then we look at the spin rate. And so if I see someone who has a launch angle that's, um, say, um, too high, uh, and their spin rate is too high, then I know that their angle of approach is coming in too steep. They're hitting down on it. They're popping the ball up. They're putting a tremendous amount of spin on it, and they're losing distance. And these numbers, I've seen as numbers as high as five and 6,000 with the driver, which is extremely high. Um, you also have to have spin to get the ball in the air. I have some, right. uh, some seniors and some, some, uh, some uh, juniors and some ladies and some men, sometimes it'll swing, who have slower swing speeds, and they have a very low spin rate, and we need to get them more spin to get the ball up in the air. We need more of a launch angle. And this typically will, has to do with, uh, you know, a lot of times with changing the shaft. And we're not really talking about uh, club fitting as much in this, but I can tell you that the shaft has a tremendous am- effect on your spin rate, the shaft that you have. So if you're not getting the ball, uh, if you're hitting the ball too high or you're hitting the ball too low, um, you know, we're, your spin rate, obviously you're either putting too much spin or not enough spin on it. Uh, nine times out of ten, it has something to do with your shaft uh, that you have. And so that's something that you can go again to your local PGA golf professional and, and get fitted for because if you, if you're, if that, that's one of the first things I would look at. And I would look also, you know, at their golf swing. But, but with, all, with the technology today, um, I think it's important that you that the listeners out there understand um, you know where they should be optimally with their driver. For me personally, when I'm swinging, I'm always trying to keep mine under 2,000. I have a tendency. I'm six four. I have a tendency to 
to hit down the, uh, with my driver sometimes and put too much spin on it. And, uh, and so if I'm always, you know, getting my launch angle where I want it, I can keep my spin rate around 1800. That's when I get the optimal distance. And it's amazing when they show you the charts and you look at it, you can see, wow, that ball went, you know, 25 or 30 yards farther. It's always, when I hit those really nice shots, I have a high launch angle and I have a low spin rate. And that's what tour players are always uh, after. Uh, so just remember, uh, you do need spin. You, do, you don't want to have no spin. You do need spin, but having too much spin typically can have, it could be your, your swing, it could be your shaft, or it could be your angle of approach or a combination of all three of those. So um, in, a, in a nutshell, that's, uh, that, that's, uh, there's a lot to do with spin. Spin rate is very important. It's one of the, the, the factors that, that all tour players are looking at when they're, when they're getting their irons, uh, you know, with their shafts and everything, uh, and with their driver as well. It's a very important number to know. Some great, uh, great t- uh, explanation there, J.D., as well. Um, John, I want to give you one. We're going to kind of switch gears a little bit here. We're going to talk about the numbers again, but we're going to get into the short game a little bit and talk about putting, because this is some terms that gets thrown out there as well. And again, maybe some of our amateur golfers that have not played a lot of golf or maybe new to the game might not understand what, what's talking about. And these are some, uh, this is some valuable information that can help uh, let a golfer know whether or not their, their putting uh, technique is effective. And, and the term is really uh, the, your skid distance, if you will, uh, in putting and obviously your roll distance. So, Explain first off what it means by skid uh, when you're putting. What does that mean by skid for somebody that doesn't know that? And for optimal putting, uh, should your skid distance be considerably lower, a lower percentage than your roll distance? What are your thoughts? Great question, and it is not necessarily misunderstood so much as it's ignored uh, by a lot of people. It goes back to a previous question you had me answer, and that's low point. Uh, when you understand the low point of your putter and realize there is loft on your putter, and as that putter is approaching the ball, it's on a downward descent or a downward angle of attack. Combine that with very little loft, somewhere between one and a half to, say, five degrees of loft on any given putter, The ball's going to launch, and as it launches, it's trying to create spin to the ball. However, there's not enough velocity for that to really happen to the point where the ball raises in the air. So what happens, it's almost like a knuckling effect if you were to slow this down. There's some really good YouTube video out there you could look up and see. The ball literally skids across the plane of the grass until such time that the velocity of the ball is slowed down enough where the ball can roll. And one of the things I'm always telling my players is let's get the ball rolling, which goes to the second question, what's the ratio? You certainly don't Mm -hmm. want your ball skidding there the entire time. And you could conversely have the ball too far back in your stance, sit down on it, it could hop. Uh, there is a mm-hmm. hopping to to putting as well. What you're trying to do is marry a low point to your putting arc with the proper angle of attack and proper face loft angle 
to reduce as much as possible how much that ball skids. Because when that ball is not in contact with the ground, when it is skidding, it is more susceptible to imperfections of the green. It could skid offline. Mm -hmm. It could skid and change the distance control that you've worked so hard on. One of the things I get my clients to understand is you can reduce skid by hitting the sweet spot of the putter. As important as that is, say, with a driver, it is just as ultimately important with your putter to hit the sweet spot. Doing so compresses the ball and eliminates some of the knuckling. It allows for the ball to start rolling quicker. You can control distance better. The concept here is very simple. Where's your low point? How much effective loft that's different? When you have loft, it's a static measurement when you're holding the club in your hand. But what is the effective loft? That's the amount of loft that's actually being used to transfer energy to the golf ball. What is that effective loft with the low point that either creates a big hopping sensation, but in most cases it produces a skid? And how do you make those adjustments to your setup and even to your putter during a putter fitting to eliminate the skidding? Mm. Well said. Um, you know, I, I think really we want to have a takeaway here for our listeners on how they can best utilize. One of the things that's available now, and we, we talked about some of these products here and that, and, and obviously there are um, products now out on the market, and, and J.D., I'm going to come to you for this. Um, you mentioned a, a couple that you're familiar with, and, and John obviously is, is uh, an ambassador uh, f- with uh, FlightScope for many years. Uh, but now there's other products coming out in a mobile launch monitor form, providing many of these uh, details that we've talked about here tonight, giving a lot of that data. Um, what would be, I guess, an optimal scenario for each of you? I'm going to, JD, I'm going to go to you, and then I'm going to go to John. Um, utilizing this technology, obviously you're going to your coach, you're uh, maybe getting put on some of these simulators or some of this uh, uh, equipment uh, to be able to get that. But now there's mobile launch monitors available now. So um, what should people, people be looking for if they want to get into that and they want to do that? What should they be looking for, in your opinion? And how can they best utilize that information and coordinate with their coach uh, providing certain data that maybe the coach is looking for um, with technology now, they can communicate with one another very, very easily through much of this technology. But is this something that you would encourage students to that, that want to spend a little bit of money? I mean, they're quite reasonable now, um, these mobile launch models. Is this something that you're seeing students getting more involved in? And, and if so, what would be the best approach from your perspective in, in utilizing this technology on a more personal level? Well, I think uh, that you're exactly right, Ted. Uh, more and more people have access to this now. A lot of people have access to it in their homes, especially up here in the north where they go through a part of the season where they can't get out and play golf. And so they have simulators in their own home. I, I'm just one of my high school students that I work with today, uh, the very last lesson of the day, said, yeah, you know, we're getting a, a simulator in, the, in our house. And, and I think there's a lot of advantage to this. When it comes to the numbers, uh, the first thing I would do is I would, 
for the listeners out there is whatever numbers you get from this information, if you're doing it at home or if you're doing it at the range, when you come to the lesson, come to the lesson with those numbers, um, you know, whether they're written down. And the numbers that I really care about the most as a, as a teacher, um, I don't need to see the numbers about angle approach and face angle. I can look at the golf ball and see that. But I like to know, you know, smash factor. I like to know your ball speed. I like to know your launch angle. Those numbers uh, and your spin rate, if you have access to those four things, um, that, that's great. And also your carry distance. I think that is so important. And my, like one of my number one things that I look at when I'm looking at someone on a simulator is their carry distance so that they know that when they go out on the golf course. And I have all of my students, I tell them, I said, I want you to write down your carry distance. And I want you to get an old bag tag. Most of us have old bag tags. You've been to golf courses or whatever. And just just laminate that or, or, or tape it on there or have it in your golf bag and so that you know your carry distances so that when you get out there with the range finders and the GPS systems that, that a lot of the golf carts have, it's very easy to understand. And you always want to know your distance to the front of the green so that you know that you have a club that will get you to the front of the green. That is so important. So using the technology and i think you said something that was very important uh ted this technology should be used in spoonfuls in limited amounts do not obsess over these numbers uh if you do you're going to drive yourself crazy the only number that ultimately matters in golf is the number that you write down on your scorecard that's the number that matters the most and so you want to use this technology in limited amounts use it with your pro and i think you'll get the best use of it uh, I think that's a, a, a great way to, to um, approach that. Um, John, what about you? Uh, again, I know that you're very familiar with, with FlightScope's products. Uh, they've got some great uh, mobile launch monitors. They've got the Mevo, of course, uh, we're, which we're, we're very familiar with um, for those that have been around the Gulf for any length of time. What is your take on this? Do you Obviously, I'm sure you concur a lot with, with what John has just said, but uh, what are your thoughts here as far as students becoming more engaged uh, in some of the mobile devices and even mobile apps that are currently available on the market uh, to help people gather some of that data, and how do you try to integrate that with, with your teaching? As time goes along, this is going to be a huge thing for most all coaches to invest in, invest time, invest dollars, and get their students to invest in. I, my clientele comes from all over the world, and I've got several that either own a X3 flight scope unit, a Mevo Plus, or a Mevo. As you go down the line, you have less parameters, but the, the, even the parameters with Mevo are essential. It's basically the six main ones we spoke about today. What's really neat mm -hmm. about the technology evolution is your ability to communicate it with your coach from afar, the ability to match up a video with those numbers. It used to be, hey, I'm looking at a video, and if you took the video incorrectly from a poor angle, well, that's, that, that was going to tarnish how I could help you. But then all of a sudden, with the, with the numbers, with the, with the video, now I've got a little bit better appreciation for what's going on and can provide you a little bit more objective information to help you from afar. Uh, when I, I'm going to reiterate something, say it a little bit differently than John did, and that is 
being overly consumed with numbers, being overly consumed with video. Uh, when video came out in the 1980s and 90s, we went through a similar situation where people always had to look at every swing. I got news for you. You're a creature of habit. You're human, and your swing doesn't change tremendously from swing to swing to swing. It takes a long time for those swing habits to mature to something that looks like improvement. Same thing happens with your numbers. I agree with John. The only number that matters is the score. But the other thing that Mm -hmm. matters is you can't bring this technology out to the golf course with you when you're faced with playing around, whether it's friendly or competitive. It's illegal. It's It's not supposed to be out there with you. And if you're sitting in a simulator looking at every number of every shot, you're paralyzing yourself by analysis, not because you're analyzing then, it's because you can't analyze later. You've lost that crutch, mm-hmm. you've lost that excuse, you've lost that reason for doubt. Uh, and now all of a sudden you're lost out there. So I, I think what you got to do with this kind of technology, and this is what I do with my clients, whether they're local or anywhere else in the world, we concentrate on one number and one number only. And that number is different for everybody. It could be angle of attack for one person. It could be club path for a second person. It could be spin ratio for for another. It could be lateral dispersion for someone who's not hitting greens, but yet their carry distances are good. And I agree with John, and I'll say it a little bit differently again. Once you buy into carry distance, That is your aha moment of improvement. It will have you break more milestones in your golf career than any others that you can think of. Uh, So everybody's numbers are different when it comes to this, whether they're in front of me or they're working from afar. But my my take on it is it's inevitable that we're going to get more and more engrossed with this. It's inevitable our clients are going to. The real key is to safeguard it and take it with a grain of salt and realize, hey, let's not work on several numbers at a time. If you can work on the one biggest number most affecting you, all these other numbers are going to follow suit and improve as well. Well said. What a great way to to end this segment. Um, You know, the bottom line is we all want to improve in this game, and you're both exactly right. I think there's a time and a place where this technology uh, can come to fruition and give us the uh, appropriate data that we need. But if we're getting so wrapped up in it uh, and focusing solely on the data, then what ultimately ends up happening, as you just alluded to, John, is when you're out on the, the golf course where you don't have that technology, every time you're hitting a ball uh, or hitting a shot, you're subconsciously starting to analyze that data. Well, did I, you know, what was my uh, spin rate on here? Or I noticed that one went a little further right. And you start to get to a point where you're not focusing on uh, the shot at hand. You're thinking about all the data that's been running through your head. So there's a time and a place to bring that to bear. Uh, and I think the best time is, again, by all means, if you have access to this technology on your own, whether it be a mobile launch monitor of some kind, you know, go out to the golf uh, driving range, go out and, and record some of the video and record some of the imagery uh, and some of the numbers, and then take that back to your uh, next lesson with your with your golf professional, 
and go over some of those, have that discussion and say, here's what, you know, here's what happened last Tuesday when I was out at the range. Here's some of the video that I took, and here's some of the, the numbers that uh, I was able to record through the uh, mobile launch monitor, and have a discussion and get him or her to talk about some of the areas uh, that maybe you're still uh, a little bit weak at and what the numbers are actually saying. Uh, but don't get caught up on them. And I think you guys uh, handled tonight's discussion very, very well and really articulated some of the finer points. Um, as always, guys, um, thank you for, for joining me on Coach's Corner. I'm going to give each of you a moment if you want to let the listeners know uh, best way to reach out to you uh, before we wrap up. Uh, sorry, John, you go first. Sure. Thanks again, Ted. Always a pleasure, always an honor. I appreciate the opportunities you've opened up for me, and uh, it's allowed my business to grow. Anybody want to reach me out there? I, I made it simple years ago when I got this started. John Hughes Golf, whether you put an ampersand in front, a hashtag, uh, .com at the back of it, it's real easy to find me on the web and social media. Uh, start looking for a, a few more social media posts as the holidays approach with some ide ideas and gifts for uh, the golfer in your life. Uh, and most importantly, if you're trying to contact me and can't visit me in the Orlando area to get some one-to-one -one personal coaching with me, you can always do it through my virtual platform called Instant Golf Improvement subscription-based model that's very easy to use. Uh, you get several video lessons as well as access to a pretty massive video library there. And again, thanks as always, Ted. Thanks, John, for another great conversation. I appreciate it. And J.D., go ahead. Well, Ted and John, I, once again, I've enjoyed being on with you tonight, and thank you, for Ted, for having both of us on. We really, really appreciate it. Uh, I'm really excited to announce that uh, I have a website that's going to be coming out. It's going to be called DeckerGolf.com. If you go there now, you'll see a splash page. But uh, I'm going to have all my videos, speaking engagement stuff, uh, all my book information will be on that as well. Uh, you can also reach me on at John Decker Golf Instruction, and I spell my first name J-O-N, on Facebook, uh, Instagram, LinkedIn, and I have uh, several hundred videos on YouTube as well. Uh, my book, Golf is My Life, Glorifying God Through the Game, is sold. Um, uh, you can uh, purchase it online at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and Walmart.com. And I do have an audio version of the book that's currently um, will not be out probably until uh, till next year, but that's going to be coming out as well. And, uh, again, we're on uh, with Golf Tips Magazine. Uh, it's an honor to be uh, with John and Ted uh, involved with the magazine and my feature, Fairways to Heaven, and, instructional articles are on there as well and uh john i look forward to, to seeing you and ted uh this winter when we come down um and looking forward to seeing you in florida sounds good well guys again once again thank you very much for both always bringing your best to the show and uh, thank you for your contributions to golf tips magazine uh helping it to make uh one of the best instructional magazines out there so have a great week guys and i will see you next time here on the coach's corner panel have a good one guys Thanks, Ted. All right, that was John Decker and John Hughes joining me on the Coach's Corner panel. Uh, and we're going to take just a short, quick break, and then I'm going to introduce and welcome my very special guest this evening, uh, Kelly Paragoy. Uh, this edition of Golf Talk Live is brought to you by Golf Pal, the best place to find only the finest in golf training aids and accessories. Get in on some great deals on leading products such as Down Under Board, 
Rapsodo, Golf Slingshot and more. Visit GolfPal.Golf today. And don't forget to subscribe to our newsletter. GolfPal. We're serious about your game. The following ad is sponsored by Golf Tips Magazine. Are you tired of being short off the tee? And what about those three putts? Forget about it. It's time you got serious about your game. Golf Tips, the most in-depth magazine in the industry. For over 30 years, Golf Tips has delivered expert content such as the latest golf instruction from America's top pros, simple to follow practice and game improvement drills, fitness and mental game tips, equipment, training aids, accessory and apparel reviews, golf destinations and travel tips for every budget, and so much more. Don't miss a single issue. Go to GolfTipsMag.com and subscribe today. All right, and welcome back, and I'm uh, very excited to have this evening's special guest. Uh, he is the president of Kelkin Enterprises, uh, Kelly Paragoy. Uh, he has uh, been working in the golf business since uh, the uh, right young age of six. Uh, he's worked with his dad, uh, Kelly. Uh, sorry, uh, Kelly has worked with his dad, Willie uh, Paragoy, who is a Class A golf professional, uh, and worked with him and Ralph Lang, who is the golf pro at Wildwood Country Club, as an assistant golf professional there. Uh, also worked with Charles Baker, uh, who was a golf pro at Washington and Yacht Country Club uh, there, as well as an assistant pro, and has been a golf instructor uh, since uh, 1980s until present. He was also a U.S. bench press champion in 1985, benching 450 uh, pounds in the 181-pound class. Uh, also, he, uh, his business partner is Ken uh, Hardison, who is the VP of uh, Kelkin Enterprises and is also an attorney in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. So please welcome my very special guest this evening, Kelly Paragoy. Good evening, Kelly. How are you? I'm doing fine. Thank you, Ted. All right. Well, listen, um, I thought what we would do before we got into some of the specifics of, of some of the products that we're going to talk about tonight is maybe you could just kind of uh, give an overview of why you brought now before we get to the actual specific products um, you obviously have been around the golf business for a long long time you've seen a lot of different trends you've seen a lot of things come into um, the markets and obviously as a result of that um, information that you've seen and what you've experienced yourself there were some things that you felt you could contribute by the way of products uh, give us a general overview of some of the things that you saw and where you felt your products could help with some improvement uh, before we get into the specifics. Okay, well, you know, I give golf lessons. And uh, when I give golf lessons, I know a lot of people have problems. And I, I'm trying to, well, Ken and I come up with products that can actually help the people automatically without thinking. Because most times you start thinking on the golf course, your scores are not that good. You do most of your work out there on the range, and then you take it out to the golf course. But just like the grip pressure, uh, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people cannot say, how much grip pressure do I need on this club? So that's the reason why I invented the golf club is uh, to help alleviate those problems without them thinking at all. So... Uh, I'm pretty proud of the products because they're unique also. Well, and, and again, you know, being somebody that's been in the instruction <laughs> side, we see, we see so many uh, golfers out there struggling with their game. And uh, one of the areas, and people might not understand how a golf club 
uh, club, excuse me, uh, is going to help them become a better player. And you come up with the Pro Air Grip uh, Golf Glove. And this is really kind of unique, and I, you sent me one, obviously, to try out. And I actually uh, used it recently in a tournament, and obviously I use it quite a bit now when I'm up at the range. And tell us a little bit about how it differs from what we traditionally see on the market, uh, what some of the, the technology that's been put into it, why you did that, and really how it helps golfers uh, preventing them from overgripping the club. Well, like I said, uh, it's like, for instance, you're on a roller coaster. And you grip onto the handle. Okay, when you're going up that first hill, you you don't have that much pressure on you know your bar right there at the time. When you hit that first drop, you increase that pressure, like leverage. It's the same thing with a golf club. When you're swinging it on your takeaway and fall through, you feel like you're going to lose it if you don't grip a little bit harder when you take away. So a lot of people say, I don't know how much pressure I need. So this, the little tiny bubbles I have put on the palm side, well, what happens is those air bubbles push your fingers back up off the, the grip, and it does it mm-hmm. automatically. So no matter how hard you squeeze, those bubbles can prevent you from uh, going, you know, squeezing it real tight. And, and what, what ultimately happens, maybe you can explain what, what some of the problems with gripping the club too tightly, what it, what it creates. As an instructor, you obviously see a lot of different things, and people might say, well, you know, I need to hold on to that club pretty tight. Um, but sometimes, we, and I'm sure you've seen this as well as I have, you see some students out there with literally a death grip on that club. What are some of the problems by gripping too tightly on the club does it cause? And obviously this uh, product that you've created, that you guys have created, uh, helps to alleviate some of that. But talk about some of the problems that you often see out there with people gripping too tight? What does it do, and how does it affect them swinging at a golf club? Well, the first thing, when you overgrip it, it can mess up your tempo if you don't try and get control of that tempo. Uh, I see a lot of people, most times they really snap hook it or either uh, either slice the ball. They don't have control if they, if they overgrip the club, and that, that's their biggest problems. Because a lot of people, they just really try to kill the ball, especially when they get out on the golf course. They don't do it as bad on the range because there's no pressure on them. But when mm-hmm. on the golf course, it's a totally different game, and they need that without thinking. And those air bubbles automatically adjust that grip pressure to the desire, you know, so you don't do that. What was the thought process? How did you come up with the idea? I mean, obviously... Um, you know, there's a lot of different golf gloves, uh, gloves, excuse me, out on the on the market today. Um, certainly not like this. But what was the thought process? I mean, again, obviously we understand what the end result is, but what was the purpose? And how did you come up with the idea to say, hey, I'm going to put this in the glove because this will help this? How did you come up with the idea? Well, I saw a lot of my students where they were really having trouble, and I said, it's got to be a way them out of it, you know, because if these are said and done, say, don't grip it too tight. But you obviously right. see that they right back in that pattern. So I told my wife, I said, how about sewing this in, these bubbles into the palm side for me? And she did. And so Ken and I have been experimenting on the golf course with it, and it really works. I've got a lot of good uh, feedback from customers. And like, in fact, since we've been selling since 2017, we have not given a refund, 
and we offer a 30-day money-back guarantee if you're not satisfied or if it doesn't do what I say it to do. And one of the one of the unique things that that I think about when I'm thinking of this glove because I've used it as I said I've used it both at the range and I played recently in an event uh, a charity event here uh, about two weeks ago and I played with that glove and the one thing that was really unique that in addition to obviously uh, helping to maintain uh, a more relaxed grip is one thing that I know notice with your traditional golf gloves for some people especially for older golfers I, I think and maybe you can elaborate a little bit is uh, again um, you might be having issues with um, whether it be arthritis or other issues um, where your hands might hurt a little bit if you're gripping too hard. And this kind of helps give a little softer approach. I mean, when you're talking about the bubbles, I mean, they're not so big that, that you don't feel the golf club because obviously you have to feel the club in your hands. But it, it adds an extra layer of padding so that um, for some of your senior golfers particularly, um, they may notice a different, a more a comfortable grip. Uh, are you getting some of that in your feedback? Oh, definitely, definitely. Especially, like I said, our clientele, 40 and over. And I have a lot of them say, you know, it really helps my hands because my hands pretty are sore after a round of golf. And when I use a glove, it right. doesn't do that. So, mm-hmm. you know, you can look at it both ways. They can help with over-gripping gripping or arthritis. Uh, the the leather itself is very very soft, and I got the highest quality leather that you can get your hands on. We got a military grade bubble in there, so it is really super strong. Uh, so don't worry about it. say hey they're gonna pop you. You just press on it like you normally do, and those bubbles will push your fingers back up automatically. And like I said, it is super soft. In fact, a lot of the golfers now they cannot play without. They've gotten so used to it. Right. Well, that's the same. I got to be honest. That's what's happened to me. Is um, I'm I'm finding now. I mean, I've had some other gloves in the bag, some new gloves, in fact. And you know, I thought about well, maybe I'll break one out. But I've enjoyed using this uh, over the last uh, uh, you know month or so since you you sent it out to me. And uh, so every time I go up to the range or if I'm out playing on the golf course, I'm using your glove. Um, so I'm trying to be extra careful that I don't wear it out. Um, you know, as most golf gloves over time do wear a little bit. So I'm trying not to wear it out um, and, and make it last uh, even longer. But I, I do, you know, again, I, I do understand, uh, you know, I, I think what the other issue for a lot of golfers too, especially for, for women golfers, um, you know, that maybe are not very experienced and don't understand the game quite yet um, as much, um, are worried about when they're hitting the ground that they're, they're creating sort of a vibration up the shaft and, and so forth. And it actually, what I found, even on some miss hits, and even though I've played for many years and am a good quality player, even I have some miss hits, um, I, I noticed that I don't feel uh, as much of a vibration uh, in a negative way through the shaft into my hand uh, in that, in that uh, club uh, or in that hand that, that has the glove on it. Is that something as well that you've been hearing uh, in some of the feedback? A lot of miss hits, uh, they said they don't hardly feel it at all because them little tiny bubbles absorb that shock. Well, and right. I'll give you another example is that some guys have taken my glove to a shooting range. So I'm sort of getting off the sidetrack here. 
Uh, sure. And they said these law enforcement, and they come back to me said it really helped them absorb that little bit of a kick on their pistol. And they, I mm-hmm. said, really? So, so they talked me into developing that glove for guns only. And uh, so I've had hmm. that. It's called Air Marksman. So like I said, I've got a lot of feedback on it, helping absorb it, that uh, any kind of vibration or kick. And in fact, I was on the last podcast. Uh, the guy uh, that was hosting it, he used his uh, that I sent him, and he turned around and ordered six more. He was so impressed with it. <laughs> so it re- I, I feel good when I hear stuff like this. It, it's not sometimes all about the money. It's just feeling the pride right. to help people. Right. Well, and I think, Kelly, what, what's – uh, again, with with a lot of these products, is you know there's a lot of different products that we see come out in, on the market, training aids and things like that, that really don't do a lot. And so it's nice when something comes along that actually provides a benefit. Um, you know, we've heard for so many years, uh, you know, so many buzzwords in the, uh, you know, in in the industry, like so many other industries, where you're going to gain extra yardage, you're going to get this if you buy this or if you do this. And a lot of times, you know, I don't want to say it's misleading, but it, it's not always 100% accurate. But I got to give you credit where, where credit is due, and your glove actually does what it says it does. And um, and, and like I said, I you know I I've given it a pretty good go here over the last uh, month or so since I received it, and um, I, I can honestly say that it does exactly what you claim it, it does. And uh, it's it's well worth uh, worth the money. Um, I want to move on to another product. I know we're going to talk about one that's coming out here uh, in the next little bit, but I want to jump to something else first that we'll talk about, and then we'll end with the uh, uh, the third uh, product. But uh, another product that you developed and you also sent is the Pro Air Putter Grip, and it's basically designed, as as you put it, to take the hands out and uh, really kind of forces you to use the shoulders instead. Tell us a little bit about this product, because this is kind of different and unique as well. Okay, well, what I did, uh, a lot of the grips that I used in the past, they're sort of hard. So when you have mm-hmm. a harder grip, it's easy to use that as leverage. You may use your hands more. So I said to myself, let's get uh, softer leather. So what I did, I took the same leather I used on the golf club, okay, and then I turned it into the grip. And I put a cord on it, uh, it's a colored cord, and you say, what is that for? That cord is to adjust the firmness. It also has mm-hmm. a, a foam on the inside, so I made it soft as I can. So the theory is the softer you get that grip, the more it takes the hands out. It wants to make you use your shoulders more. Mm-hmm. So that's the whole, right. that's the whole principle behind it. Right, and and, and ideally... Yeah, and ideally you want to take your hands out. I mean, obviously your hands are connected to the club, so they're not completely out. But what what ultimately happens with a lot of golfers, uh, especially our high handicapper amateurs, is they get too much hands involved in their putting stroke. And and what ends up happening gets very handsy. So instead of actually taking it back using their shoulders, they're taking it back with their hands and either opening the putter face, uh, the club face, and or closing it depending on, on their stroke and ultimately ends up not getting a pure stroke. So the idea is you're now, what you're doing is forcing what, as an instructor, what we hope they're going to do is to adopt a more pendulum 
type uh, putting stroke, and, and I think that's really what your idea was here, right? Exactly. That's I want a pendulum stroke, and you'd be surprised how it really improves your stroke. And here again, this product basically does it automatically for you without thinking. It makes you use your shoulders instead of saying, mm-hmm. "Hey, use your shoulders." Uh, the first time I used the, the putter grip. Uh, I think I had five one putts out of nine holes. I was very impressed. With wow! It. I don't know if it's a psychological issue because it was a new grip, but I did. And uh, ever since then, I've not taken it off. I've had it on there for three years now. You can side over your wow. existing grip, and you sit right there, and you I put a red cord, an orange cord, and a purple cord. So you can choose a color that you desire and on the back. And what that does, when you adjust the firmness, you let go of that clasp, and it'll lock it in. Very good. What has been some of the feedback on this? I mean, obviously, you've had great experience uh, yourself. Um, what has been some of the client's feedback um, so far using this? Now, this has obviously been on the market for a little while, too. Um, what has been some of the feedback here? Well, I mean, a lot of people said it's improved their putting. And it feels great. That's another thing they were impressed with because I do have the softest grip on the market the way I designed it. Um, and, you know, when a person gets that feel, because in golf you got confidence. And when you have that confidence, you score better. That putter helps you with confidence when you go. It makes you feel like you can make everything, which normally you can't. But the way I made <laughs> these products, I just want to take the thoughts out of it instead of thinking make it do it automatically so it makes it more enjoyable for that golfer well and and that's really what's important too i think kelly is is you know is especially in the last year or so with you know with the pandemic going on a lot of people have come out to the golf course we've seen a lot of people that were cooped up inside for a long period of time and needed to get out and you know just release some energy and golf was one of the very few uh sports or games uh that people were able to get out and do uh and still uh, you know uh adhere to to many of the uh the um um regulations and rules and things if you will for lack of better words and so a lot of people come out and ultimately what they're looking for is an experience that's going to create fun for them um golf as we as we know we're both in the instructional side and we've played for for many years um, we understand the challenges that golf can be. It's a, it's a difficult game, unlike so many other games, to learn. Uh, but once you kind of get the basics down and get a general understanding of what you need to do out in the golf course, uh, then it becomes uh, much more enjoyable and more fun. So when you're creating products that help make that path even easier to accomplish, then obviously your your customers are going to have more fun. And it sounds to me... Um, you know, in our discussions that we've had about your product so far, is that's really what you want to accomplish. It's not just about looks. It's not just even about the feel so much. Is you want to create an atmosphere that takes a lot of the guesswork out for, for many golfers, but also allows them to enjoy the game without really having to overthink. Because as you and I both know, that's one of the, the Achilles heels that a lot of golfers do is they overthink on the golf course. So if you can provide them with a product or products, that help take some of that uh, overthinking out of the process and allows them to have more fun, then it's a win-win for everybody, right? Exactly. 
Oh, a lot of people, they really overthink every shot, especially like when they get on the first tee. They get the first tee jitters. It's all psychological. Mm-hmm. But if, they, if I can get it where they can enjoy the game, if you get talking to your buddies out there, you know, you, you start getting loose then. You get relaxed, mm-hmm. and you notice that you swing better, and you, score, you start scoring better. That's the intention that we have is to make the products where, like I said, takes the thought process out, and so you can enjoy the game. Right, exactly. Uh, and this brings me to another product that you're really in the process right now of launching. And before we, we talk about the specific product, um, of course we're talking about the incinerator golf ball, is I've got to ask you a question because there are so many golf balls on the market, obviously so many major players um, what was the thought process, and why did you want to introduce your own golf ball on the market? What was it about the, what you had seen out there in the market? And there are thousands of different versions of, uh, through many of the manufacturers that are out there. But there must have been something that you have seen over the years that was either missing or wasn't maybe uh, helping to improve uh, some of the, the, you know, the amateur golfers out there. What was the thought process that you guys came up with that made you decide, you know what, we need to come up with a golf ball, and here's what we want to do. Uh, here's what we want the product to ultimately accomplish. What was your, your process here? process is when I see a lot of students, and you've probably got, say, 70%, 75% of the people either probably slice or push it to the right a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, you know, a lot of people say, oh, I you know, if I could get the hook out or the slice, I could do some decent scoring. And to be honest with you, if you most people, if they get off the tee good, they can usually score good. Is my thought process anyhow. So mm-hmm. it gives you a better pout if you get it in the fairway. It starts showing a good note. And same thing when you're practicing. You want to end on a good note. Because uh, the next day you remember you end up on a good shot or bad shot. So that's the intention that we had when we developed this golf ball uh, was keep in mind, especially for amateurs, they need that right. help. If they can enjoy the game, not slicing or hooking it in the woods, again, they are happy. They enjoy the game. They can loosen up and they can score better. So in, in theory, what, what you were trying to accomplish here was to come out with a design that was going to reduce or take – as you said, the hook and the slice out of the factor, if you will, out of the mix that many amateur or high handicap golfers struggle with uh, and and allow them to be able to keep it in play more often because that's something that, and I don't care whose golf ball you're using uh, with most of the current uh, market out there, um, you know, certainly some make claims that it'll do this and do that. Uh, and to some degree, th- there is some success there. But for the most part, uh, people are still going down the same Pass that they have for, for many years. But you guys decided a little different approach. You wanted to create a product that was going to allow uh, some of the commonalities, like a hooking or slicing uh, in the mix, uh, and reduce that or eliminate it enough to where people were keeping it in play more often. So how did you accomplish that? What was, what's in the technology or what was in the development of this golf ball that's allowing you to do that? And what are some of the other benefits that people are going to find uh, when they start playing your golf ball? In the middle of each temple, 
and that stem is put a say it's like a tree. A tree, if you get behind a tree when it's windy, that tree blocks that wind off. So that stem represents a tree, in a matter of speaking. When the wind picks it up on one side of the dimple, the uh, little stem there is going to block it from hitting the backside, taking that spin off of there. So that eliminates mm -hmm. that hook or slice. Um, we're also putting a gel on the inside. It's not on this ball, but the next one's coming right. out. Uh, it keeps you from losing distance during cold weather. It's a special air mm -hmm. gel I put on the inside. And a lot of people say, how does that work? Well, in your house, if you turn off the heat, your house doesn't get cold real quick because you have insulation. This is the right. same principle. Uh, we put that air gel on the inside, and you can last several hours without it losing any temperature at all. So if you start out with 75 or 80 degrees on the ball, even it's 37 degrees out there, that air gel keeps it from losing the distance, and it keeps the same temperature. But it'll start, eventually start dropping off a little bit. So we're also going to put a little tight heating unit with it to give you a little head start before the round. I can't go into too much details with this uh, right. because I haven't really finished the paperwork as far as the patent issue. So um, mm -hmm. I think, you know, that's going to be a package deal for the golf balls and that. Um, so the aerogel is inside the core of the golf ball is going to help uh, prevent uh, loss of yardage, if you will, during cold weather. And also uh, you indicate that it's going to help uh, uh, preventing flyers during hot weather. So really, and this is the problem with a lot of traditional golf balls is um, – they don't do that um, very effectively. I mean, some balls are better than others, of course. But again, when you're playing like here as we do in the south, when you're getting up into 95 or 100 degree weather, um, that affects the core of the golf ball very, very quickly. Um, and conversely, if you're playing in a climate that's much cooler, again, you're going to lose yardage. So this is something that, uh, again, you've taken the initiative and recognized that this is something that's going to help um, create a, uh, solve a problem that really has been around uh, for a long time. And that was really the thought process behind that, correct? Yes, and I wanted to get something that people could afford. Uh, see, most people, when they want to get those extra yards off the tee, because sometimes it gets cold enough where you lose 10 to 15 yards. And so that... Right. Um, is a real hard problem for everybody. So they go out there and pay for an expensive driver and hoping to get them extra yards. And a lot of people do. They spend a lot of money. I've seen one guy spend $600. He said, i got three extra yards. You know, they go that right. length to to get that yardage. And in a test that we did with the leading golf balls, uh, we beat in 38-degree weather. It ranged. We out uh, performed them. 13 to 26 yards with 38 degree wow. weather with a dozen golf balls. That's incredible. And, and see, a lot of people, uh, again, there's, there's other things to consider. So, you know, as an example, in that cooler weather, um, people might say, well, you know what, I'll, I'll just, and you could certainly adjust uh, with, with the club. But if you're, let's say you're hitting, you know, uh, your wedge 100 yards and you're playing in a climate where you're going to lose maybe five to 10 yards because of, of the cool climate, 
that makes a difference when you're approaching a green. If and now you're going to have to maybe jump on a nine iron or something like that. So you know what typically your yardages that you if you know your yardages for each of your clubs, and you're playing with a traditional golf ball where you're losing yards because of the climate, um, that kind of throws things off a little bit. So this is, I can see this being a great advantage for somebody um, playing. Again, regardless of the climate, they're not going to see a tr- dramatic, at least for the most part, a dramatic change in the distance they're hitting with each of their clubs using this golf ball. Is, is that uh, do I understand correctly? Yes. Uh, and so I go. Let's go back to say, for instance, the glove. Um, you know, mm-hmm. we're talking about how people jump on the club and swing harder. And that's what a lot of people do during the winter to get those extra yards to swing out their shoes, basically, to try to get those extra yards. Right. Is that a buy new driver, you know, to make up the difference? But like you say, a 3 or $4 golf ball here, you go out there and it'll, it'll take care of the problem. So, therefore, you don't have to jump on it. Therefore, you enjoy your golf game better. Yeah, and this is something, you know, too, that uh, I think that golfers now – a, 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 you know, as I said, most of their golfers now, they're looking for some advantage um, in playing. And as you mentioned, you see some go out there and uh, they will, uh, you know, buy an expensive driver and they'll certainly get some extra yards. Um, but you've really come up with some very unique and, and interesting products that are very affordable for every uh, golfer at every level. Um, and it provides them um, an, an instant uh, benefit, um, you know, with the glove. Again, you, you know, you're you're able to grip the club uh, correctly because you're not over gripping. Uh, it's helping, giving you some some good feedback as well uh, in the uh, the putting uh, uh, grip, if you will. It's allowing you to uh, take the hands out of the process and get more of a, as a, as you mentioned, a pendulum swing, which is really proper if you want to uh, be successful on the putting green and now you've taken a step further and you're coming out with uh, a new golf ball that uh, provides a a lot of uh, advantages to playing uh, especially for some golfers that maybe don't have uh, a real tight game at the present Um, and it's obviously for all levels but uh, for golfers that maybe typically don't have um, can't hit a a great distance uh, maybe typically slice or hook the ball a lot it has some great advantages as well um, that helps to make it more enjoyable. Uh, And what's really nice and unique uh, about all of your products is that you offer a 30-day money-back guarantee, which is, I'll be quite honest, is unheard of in in our industry. Um, So that says a lot about the approach and the belief in your products that you guys have. Um, When is the ball going to be available to the market? Okay, we are have started taking pre-orders, and when you what it is, it is uh, forty nine ninety five. Um, you also get a free glove, and also you, we, I'm gonna sign every package up to five hundred orders. The first five hundred will get my signature, and it will be numbered. So that way, if somebody wanted to collect it, uh, they'll have that for future reference. They want to save it. In fact, some have already bought two dozen. They're going to save one with my signature, and they're going to use the other. If you buy an additional mm-hmm. dozen golf balls, it's 25% off. 
So that and the first one hundred also will get one of our logo chips. So uh, the thing of it is, and Ken and I's uh, mentality on this, if we can uh, increase a person's person's game by three to five strokes, we've done our job on the products. Right. Well, and 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 you know, obviously everybody wants to improve. But uh, and I agree with that. I think you know if you can get three to five strokes, uh, anybody would take that in a heartbeat. But I think even mm-hmm. more importantly, I think if you can help to bring more enjoyment, which obviously that's going to do uh, by by improving their their bottom uh, score. Uh, but if they can have more fun and more enjoyment in the game uh, by not being as difficult, then they're going to want to play more. This is one of the things that if I was to have a pet peeve in the golf industry is that typically, um, you know, many amateur golfers that struggle is because what's available to them is they don't maybe have the time to spend as much as maybe you or I or somebody else might have uh, to get out there and practice as much, but they want to go out and have fun. They want to go out and play with their friends or they want to be able to, uh, you know, maybe play if it's a spouse, a partnership, a husband and wife want to get out and play together. Um, what your products are doing is helping to uh, bring a better enjoyment to the game at a, a very reasonable cost, um, you know, compared to what else is out there in the market. So there's a lot of pluses uh, that that people will find um, utilizing all of your products, the the glove uh, and also the uh, putter grip and now the uh, incinerator uh, golf ball. So is, uh, you're taking the pre-orders uh, for the golf ball. When is the next evolution of that golf ball where you're going to have the gel? When do you anticipate that is going to be uh, available as well? Is that going to be something in 2022 that you're looking at? Well, I'm hoping. Well, Ken and I are hoping to get this out around Christmas time. But, you know, okay. you know the golf industry right now is having problems with shipping products in. Uh, sure. To get all the golf balls, the rubber compounds. Uh, right mm-hmm. now, it's been a big uh, problem for not just myself. Every golf company is having this problem. So it is really, it really depends on if it, the shipping, everything turns around to where we get our products in. Is really, it'll tell the time when we can release it. Like I said, we're gearing it toward December, in December. But uh, like I said. It just really depends on the shipping problems we got. Yeah, and I think everybody can relate to that right now in all industries, not just obviously the golf industry, but uh, all industries are are experiencing that right now. But um, no, I, I think Kelly, I think it's it, it's very interesting that the products that you've come up with, and I know that your um, your mind is going to continually work on developing even new uh, products that uh, I know you'll share. Uh, down the road as as they come into fruition, but uh, I think you're the uh, type of uh, uh, inventor, if you will, for lack of better words, uh, who is going to continually find ways of, of improving people's experience out in the golf course, and you've already started uh, really with three great products, so I see more uh, products uh, potentially coming down the pike as well, and I look forward to seeing uh, what else you've got out there. So for people that want to get more information uh, where can they go to? Is there a website uh, that they can go to, uh, to to get more information on, on uh, the various products that we talked about tonight? Uh, yes, they go to 
Pro Air Grip. That's www.proairgrip.com. Also, and they can order everything uh, off your site. Yes. Uh, the next product we're going to come out with is the insoles. The insoles are going to be called the Pro Air Equalizer. So we kept it in mind what the problems that golfers are having. And everybody can probably hold their hand and say, uh, I see a person swaying on the shot. If they look at their fellow golfers when they take the, the club back, they'll see their head move from one side to the other, which is very hard. Mm-hmm. And it causes mishits. And sometimes it can cause you to shank it, the golf ball when you hit the, the hosel into the ball. Uh, what it is, I put the height a half inch higher on the outside of the insole on both your left and right foot. And what this does, it keeps you from swaying. It keeps your, your, your body centered, more well balanced. So when you take away the club, I got a half inch on the right and a half inch on the left higher. So it just like I said, it keeps your, your body centered, your weight centered. It's like turning in a barrel, your whole body when you're swinging in the golf club. And is is that something that is going to be? Uh, I, I mean, you're in the in the works now, but is that something that you're anticipating to have available this year as well? Or again, is that something that more than likely is going to be in uh, 2022? Uh, uh, we're looking at probably around March of 22. Okay. Well, I look forward to hearing more about that as well. And I think that's uh, uh, again, you know, I think. You know, there's so many products that we've seen over the years come out on the market, um, certainly some good ones out there, but a lot of products uh, really don't do, um, you know, a lot of the things that your products are, are doing. And I think, you know, that's uh, kudos to you and, and your partner, um, uh, Ken, in, in coming out with these and, and looking at really what can we do to help make the golfing experience a better one for golfers. Uh, as opposed to just, you know, throwing something out there and throwing some, you know, creative marketing around it. Uh, you guys have actually uh, put together some products that um, are actually benefiting golfers. And I can attest firsthand uh, using the glove and also the putter grip. Uh, they are both great uh, products. I'm looking forward to uh, when the ball is uh, officially uh, uh, in my hot little hands of, of trying that out as well. But uh, I can honestly say that the two products I've tried so far uh, do exactly as as you specify. So um, kudos to you and your partner for uh, for putting together uh, some great products. Um, well, Kelly, um, it, it's been interesting to hear a little bit more detail uh, about your story and about the the products that you've come up with so far and what's coming on down the road. And I know that you're going to keep me uh, in the loop, if you will. And I appreciate you coming on tonight uh, and spending some time with me here on Golf Talk Live. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, I greatly appreciate it, and I know Ken does too. Uh, we enjoy it. Like I said, we're because we're a small company. We we knew we had an uphill battle, so that's why we had to make our products where they went beyond our competition. So that's why the products do as good as they do, is because we have to exceed the market because it is a tough market to be in. Oh yeah, I know exactly what you're. T- I, I can agree wholeheartedly. It is a tough market out there, but you guys have, have certainly done a great job, and I wish uh, you and your partner Ken much continued success uh, with all of the uh, products and future products coming down the road. And again, I appreciate you uh, coming on the show, and I'll have you on again 
um, uh, down the road as, as more things come uh, available to market. But uh, I appreciate you coming on and spending time with my audience tonight. And again, uh, for those of you that want to uh, purchase and, and, or even just to learn more about the products, you can go to www.proairgrip.com. Uh, all of the information is there about the products that we talked about tonight, and you can order right from the website as well. And uh, as uh, Kelly mentioned, they're pre-ordering uh, the Incinerator Golf Balls right now, uh, and all of their products offer a 30-day money-back guarantee. So uh, it's a win-win for everybody. But Kelly, thank you very much uh, to both of you, but uh, particularly to you for coming on and sharing time with my audience tonight. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, and I greatly appreciate the audience listening to all right, you have a great evening, and I'll talk to you real soon. You take care. All right, that was my very special guest, uh, Kelly uh, Paragoy, uh, president of Kelkin Enterprises, and obviously his partner, Ken uh, Hardison, VP of Kelkin Enterprises, uh, working together to make uh, golf a little bit easier uh, for all of you out there. And again, uh, go to proairgrip.com. Uh, That's proairgrip.com is the website. And you can check out the various different products. And as I said uh, uh, repeatedly, the uh, gloves and the um, uh, putter grip as well uh, are great products. I've used both of them, and they do work. Uh, they do as they say. So uh, it's definitely worth uh, checking out. Go to proairgrip.com, and uh, you can also pre-order the golf balls, the incinerator golf ball as well. I think it's going to help your game. Uh, again, a special thanks to tonight's guest and also to the guys on the Coach's Corner panel, John Hughes and John Decker. Thank you guys once again for joining me uh, for a great, interesting, and lively discussion on the Coach's Corner panel. And I hope you guys enjoyed the show and that you'll come back next week and join me here for another great uh, show here on Golf Talk Live. God bless everybody and have a great weekend. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this week's broadcast of Golf Talk Live. We'd like to thank this week's Coach's Corner panel, and a special thank you to tonight's guest. Remember to join Ted every Thursday from 6 to 8 p.m. Central on Golf Talk Live. And be sure to follow Ted on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you're interested in being a guest on Golf Talk Live, send Ted an email at ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.